this is not a debate, so please don't interrupt uh, someone when they're speaking. For the audience, would you please turn these off? And if you have them up there, please turn them off. Um, Celestina will hold up 30 seconds. You'll have two minutes to answer the question. Um, if you have questions for the audience, where are you at? Uh, if we have time left over, we have five questions we're going to ask. If there's time left over, uh, turn your questions and Amy, she'll vet them. If we have time, we'll ask them. Just raise your hand. If you need paper, just let me know. I will read the question to you, just so the audience, the candidates do not know the question ahead of time. So um, if you get nervous, if you forget what the question actually is, just I'll repeat it. Just to let me know. And let's see. I think that'll do it. So as we go down the line, the five questions, for example, Sarah, you'll start first on the first question, Kyle, you'll start first on the second question, and so on. So opening remarks, you each get two minutes. So Sarah, we'll start with you with a two-minute opening remark as to why you want to represent the White School Board. Perfect. Uh, hello, everybody. First off, thanks for being here, um, being active in our community. Uh, I'm Sarah Weiss. I was born and raised here. I went to Blood Memorial High School, graduated in 2012. Um, and then now I'm back in Beloit and working at, as the academic coordinator at Beloit College's Upward Bound program. And I decided to run and throw my hat in the ring here uh, for school board because I'm very committed to an equitable education. I want to be an advocate for students and families. I believe that I am already in my current role, but I want to um, develop that even further. I'm invested in public education and uh, committed that to that as far as my career goes. I think I can bring level-headedness to the board. Um, my temperament is pretty easygoing, but um, I do want to say that <laughs> as far as my youth, I, that does not. Um, prohibit me from being independent and thoughtful and well-read. Um, I have a strong willingness to learn about the position, um, learn all aspects of the board, and I believe that I've, I've shown that in the past few months, and I hope to continue to do that as other months go forward. So, thanks. My name is Kyle Larson and uh, I taught at Robinson for three and a half years. Uh, I moved to Beloit with my family in 2006. My oldest daughter, Megan, is a sophomore at the high school, and she's only ever attended Beloit schools. She started at Merrill in 4K, and then I have two other daughters at Frozen Immediate School in fourth and sixth grade. Um, about a year ago, um, I decided that it was a much better, uh, it's more efficient for me to advocate for our students, no longer as a teacher in our district. There uh, are many great things happening. We have great educators, great students, but there were some things that we needed to work out. And I didn't feel like my voice was heard or, or the voice of some of our educators and some of our parent team members. So I decided to leave about a year ago and now I teach in Delvin Darien. I'm a dual language teacher and I taught dual language at Robinson also. Um, I really, I just want to affect change and be part of that process. Uh, too many people, I think, sit back and complain about what's happening, but they're not actually willing to step up and, and help solve some of the problems and challenges that we're facing. And in the way that we have, um, like I said, great students and great faculty, but we have some unique challenges to our district. So I'm hoping that my perspective of being an educator in the district, um, not only lets me advise the other board members how 
actions might actually trickle down and affect the classroom. But then also that perspective gives me um, a different angle to look at solutions to solving some of our challenges. Hello, uh, my name is Otis Johnson. Uh, pleasure to be here. To those of you who uh, already know me, hello. And to those who I haven't met yet, it's nice to meet you. Um, thanks to the moderators and everyone for putting this thing together. It's a great opportunity to be able to sit up here as, a, you know, as candidates and, and get our message out there. Um, I've been born and raised in Beloit. I'm a fifth generation uh, Beloiter plus, uh, actually fifth generation school district of Beloit is uh, my daughter, who is in sixth grade at Fruzan Elementary and is here this morning doing a lot of field trips. <laughs> um, the, the school district of Beloit, uh, I think, is, is a, a key cog in the community, and unless it, it's headed the right way uh, and in positive directions, it, it, it can be detrimental as, instead of as much of an asset of it, as it could be. Uh, there's definitely some changes that needed to take place. Uh, obviously, there's large level changes going on at the administrative level at this point, um, but there is some necessary changes that needed to happen at the board level as well, specifically with how it conducted business. Um, I think that moving forward, uh, there's a great opportunity here in Beloit, especially with the school district, to make some big gains uh, with, with some of the upper level administrators that we're going to be bringing in here shortly. Uh, to try to recruit the right person who's going to institute some of the changes that we're, we're really craving for here. Um, I, I'm a very proud Beloiter, and I, I think that one of the biggest issues we have here in the community is value. Uh, so not only do we need to, to value one another and value each and every student, but we need to value the district as a whole. And I think the more and more people that can really start to value uh, what we already have here and try to really um, make what we've got even better, uh, the further along we're going to get faster. So thank you. Hi, my name is Kathy Crawford. Um, I was not born in Beloit, I came here in fourth grade. So I've been here since fourth grade. I have six children and two children that already have graduated. And I have one that's an 11th, one that's an 8th, and then two, I have two little girls that are in fourth and fifth. And they all go to McNeil and then I have one that goes to Memorial. I also have a grandson that goes to Hackett, which all my children attended to. The, um, the reason I'm running is because there's, I don't feel like there's enough parent representation on the board. A lot of times parents don't know what's going on in the district because a lot of things are hush-hush. And if you search for the board information on the website, it's like trying to find the needle in the haystack. So I think it needs to, there needs to be more of a transparency for people like me, an everyday person, who would be able to um, give the information to maybe the other parents who don't quite know what's going on. Um, my, my experience as a parent, my biggest thing is the teacher retention. When we were younger, when we went to school, you had the same teachers. You knew who you were gonna get, you knew who you looked forward to having and who you did not wanna have. Now, every, every year, somebody else, is, somebody else is coming, somebody else is leaving, so nobody ever knows who they're going to get. So it, that kind of um, makes children a little nervous because they don't know how this teacher is going to be. I had a, you know, last year was a, was a trying year for my child who's in fourth grade. She's in DLI and I love that program. I'm so glad that Boy brought that here. But it was trying because they didn't get the right fit. So at this point, it's like we need to get these teachers who want to stay here, who, who want to be in our community, who are invested in our community, invested in our children. 
And also we need the disconnect from the administration and the teacher end of it to be fixed because I think that the teachers don't feel valued. The teachers that I talk to do not feel valued here. They don't feel like they're, you know, they um, are appreciated and anybody who works anywhere wants to feel appreciated. You do your job better if you're appreciated. That's how I feel. That's how usually they feel. And also the discipline is out of control. We do need to get a handle on that. So I think with the- Your time's up. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> uh, thank you for having us all here. My name is David Wilson. Uh, I'm born and raised in Beloit, Wisconsin. Uh, my family is here. Uh, again, I have two small children that are three and, I'm sorry, four and five. I got that wrong at one of our meetings. The reason my wife went crazy. So. <laughs> four and five. Um, the reason why I want to run for school board is to make a difference. Uh, again, because I'm born and raised here in Beloit, I've been a part of a lot of uh, community serving organizations, both professionally and civically. And uh, the way to make a difference is being involved and being in those rooms where those decisions are made. Um, and school board is that um, we represent a district of over 7,000 students, um, and all those students come from families. And students and families need to be supported as well as educators. Uh, and educators, students, and families are all human. And so we have to meet their human needs before we can have an expectation of students learning and teachers teaching uh, and administrators being able to do their job as administrators. I think there are some effective practices um, in the district, but I think they might be just that. And as a board, I think it will be uh, integral on our part to make those practices more policies and so the teachers, administrators, parents, and students understand uh, from uh, the business perspective that the district is there to serve them, but there are some things that need to be aligned um, so everybody is on the same page. Um, we talk about discipline and behaviors, and this uh, behaviors are gonna continue to happen, um, but as behaviors have evolved, our code of conduct needs to evolve, and the district is invested and uh, restorative practices as in mind, and there are viable solutions to uh, restorative practices that the code of conduct could be uh, revised to be more restorative and punitive to help those students have a voice and those families have a voice that they've never had before. Thank you for, thank you for being here this morning. Okay, we'll start with the questions. Sarah, we'll start with you first, you have two minutes. First one's a two-part question, really. Uh, do you have previous experience serving on a board? If so, please elaborate. And please state what you think the roles, duties are for a school board member. I have no prior experience serving on a board. Um, I am trained as an educator and have experience as a teacher. Um, as far as the board goes, I think the main function of the board is to make and decide and execute policies. Um, to make our schools function well and to decide how to set um, to spend money that is allocated to our district. I think those are two of the, the biggest portions of our board. Um, beyond that, uh, board members are advocates for our families and our students in the community. Um, so as far as spending taxpayer dollars, we need to make sure that we are representing the whole community not just certain groups, not just certain schools, um, and make sure that we are spending that money and making decisions with the whole community in mind. 
Um, I don't have any previous experience serving on a, a board, uh, but I envision the, the role of a school board member to be that bridge between the like institution of our school district and the community because um, ultimately we answer to the community. And we have limited resources, so we have to be good stewards of those limited resources and make sure that we are spending our dollars in the most effective way um, and making sure that families and, and our community have a voice in, in the way our schools are run and that they feel welcome. I also uh, feel though it, it's a role to be very transparent and um, communicate and talk often with community members and be approachable to them and be accessible to them as well as the other uh, faculty, you know, not just teachers, but also like the paraeducators and then, you know, ABM and Aramark are also in our buildings and they play a super important role, um, even though they're not district employees, but they interact with our students each and every day. So really, it's at the school board level, just making sure that you're that hop of keeping everything going smoothly and um, trying to step in when things aren't. Uh, in regards to board experience, I've been a member of the uh, City of Lake Planning Commission uh, since 2014, uh, so I do kind of understand the way that uh, public meetings are typically made. Uh, I think that uh, you know when it comes to what the uh, the school board member does, uh, obviously one of the most important keys is being a good steward of tax dollars uh, for both property owners and, and anyone that's a vested stakeholder here in the school district of Beloit voting area. Uh, also included with that is, is a big key component is the hiring and firing of the executives at the, at the uh, school district level. Uh, so making sure that uh, the, the school board has good oversight of the administrators to make sure that we have effective administration that's doing a good job and that's uh, you know, showing up to work every day for the, the best interest of the students uh, I think also a, a key component of the school board is oversight. Um, it's not necessarily our job to craft and, and design things. We kind of uh, state our wishes as the public and, and we are that intermediary between the voter and the, the educator expert. Uh, so what our community desires is our job as a school board to communicate that to the administration to make sure that they fulfill our objectives, and if they aren't doing that, then we need to make changes at that level. Uh, so I think those are definitely the primary goals of what the school board member needs to accomplish. Um, I have not had any experience on a board. Um, the, the one role that I feel that is important for the school board member is to be um, available for the community so that we can make better decisions for the school district. I think as of now, some of the decisions that have been made for the school district have not been the greatest, have not been the best interest of the whole district. And, um, so, especially with like the tax dollars, they um, and they make these outrageous, I'm trying to think of the word, sorry. Um, they make these outrageous like, uh, money amount of money that they need to do to fix things or to create things and I, I just think that it's it's asinine to expect multi-million dollar welcome centers and we need we need to pay our teachers more so I think that as a as a board member we need to make better decisions when it comes to allocating the money 
and um, just basically be the voice of reason when things seem to be a riot. And at this point in our district and in our school board and administration, everything is a riot. So we need some kind of um, just familiar, calm place. And I think that as a board member, if we all work together, it'd be better. Um, I have had some experience with uh, being on boards and serving on committees. I've served at the pleasure of a board and uh, currently serve at the pleasure of a board now. Um, I've, my experience is uh, with neighbor works, of, currently it's neighbor works of Blackhawk region. Currently I'm a uh, committee member for the education committee where we uh, meet monthly and we devise ways that neighborhood neighbor works Blackhawk region can better serve this community and uh, through foreclosure prevention seminars, um, first time homeowner seminars, and just the educational services that neighbor works of Blackhawk region provides. Um, I've been a part of the Youth to Youth uh, for Change Coalition, uh, which specializes in uh, equipping young people with the skills to uh, teach other young people, other young people how to uh, resist the uh, allures of drugs and alcohol. Um, I serve on the Community Impact Council for uh, neighbor, I mean, sorry, United Way Blackhawk Region, um, and we uh, oversee the recommendations made by the volunteer panels that uh, hear the presentations from the local uh, nonprofit agencies and organizations that receive uh, United Way funding. Um, I also serve as a member of the Rock County Resource Center, uh, which is based out of Clinton, Wisconsin, but um, specialized in one-to-one uh, -one counseling with individuals uh, with any kind of problems that they have, a lot of uh, bilingual um, translation services that deal with individuals that don't speak English. And also I'm a seven member of NAACP, the function of a board is to supervise the superintendent, develop policy, and review policy and ensure that the professionals that they hire do their jobs. I will start with you the next question. The district is you need to hire a superintendent. What are three things you'll be looking for in choosing our next leader? The first thing I'll be looking for is experience in a district similar to Beloit. Uh, we have a lot of we're, we're unique in ourselves. Um, I think a lot of people try to lump us into Milwaukee and we're not Milwaukee either. We need someone who has experience in high poverty, a very diverse community. Um, secondly, someone uh, with strong communication skills. Um, I feel like that's something that we, yeah, we've been lacking here is um, not very strong communication and not a clear vision of where we're headed. And that's hard to go along with if you feel like you're floundering. Um, the third thing uh, I would um, look for is someone who uh, has an idea of where they would like to go, but who's also going to take some time to sit back and, and um, I don't want to say sit back, but kind of observe how things are going in Beloit right now and, and assess our strengths and our areas of opportunity before they jump in and start making changes because that can also um, be harmful to staff turnover at both the administrative level as well as the teacher level. I get a repeat on the question. The district is needing to hire a superintendent. 
what are three things you will be looking for in choosing our next leader? Well, when it comes to the next leader of the school district of Beloit, um, I think finding an effective communicator that's going to be the, the a strong voice of reason to the, the principals and the educators that we have in the district uh, to try to make them feel as supported and, and mentored as they need to be to be effective uh, educators in the classroom. I think looking for somebody who's very much a, a boots on the ground kind of superintendent who is active and involved and brings a lot of energy and is in and out of all the buildings and is, is typically very you know cohesive um, so we need somebody who's going to bring the the district's employees together so that we can all start pushing the same direction again. Because uh, it's been it's, it's been too long since we've had that feeling. Um, I think we also need to bring someone in who can think of out of the box ways to uh, effectively use the tax dollars as best we possibly can. Uh, whether that be through examining different uh, employee. Um, staffing levels or finding different grant funding that's out there. Uh, just somebody who can be creative in the dynamic budgetary environment that we kind of find ourselves in now. Uh, it's not as, as stable as it, uh, or it, so it seems, um, as it used to be. Uh, so somebody who can really balance all of that is, is going to be important. And third, I think just uh, somebody who's a kind of a champion and going to be around for a while. I can think of some of the best educators that uh, that me or my family has ever experienced and, and whether it be superintendent principal or you know just classroom teacher uh, the more vested we have somebody that's going to lead us for the long term uh, somebody who everyone can really kind of push behind is you know one of the, the executives of the, the largest institutions here in the city uh, i think those are very important keys to try to try to have uh, points in our, our search for the next uh, superintendent First thing I think of the new superintendent needs is to be definitely be vested in the community. Um, needs to be here, needs to be available, shows up at certain things. It's nice to see a superintendent at a basketball game or at, you know, like there was um, like LULAC, there's things that they do for like volunteer. If they're there showing their face, encouraging the children. I think that the children who are, who know that some of the administration, I think that makes them feel, oh, I see the superintendent today. So I think we need somebody that's in the community, vested in the community, that lives here. That if they have children, the children go here. That's the biggest thing. You can't send your children somewhere else, but you want to look over other people's children. And also that the person needs to have the best interest of the district at heart and not use it for their own agenda to, to um, basically get a few years in here get their feet wet and then go somewhere else. That seems to be happening a lot here is that people put in two, three years and then they leave and go somewhere else and then we're in the same boat that we were in two or three years ago. And then also we need somebody who is open to new ideas, not so much they have their own way of looking at things and doing things and don't wanna hear anything that anybody else has to say. I think if they're more open to us, and open to the community, open to the teachers, open to the board, open to everybody. I think that as a community, as a district, they'll be a more successful superintendent. Um, I think we need a superintendent who seeks to understand Beloit first. Um, as they come into Beloit, although they'll have an idea, uh, they'll, they'll want the job, um, but, but they definitely need to seek to understand the community and the people that they're serving. I think that, uh, 
will help to lead them forward as they create their vision. Uh, we obviously need a leader who has a track record of innovation um, and working in a high poverty district as Beloit is. Uh, I think there are some, uh, some unique concerns that we do have here in, in Beloit. Uh, and there's a community of support around the school district that will support uh, incoming superintendent no matter where he or she may be from. Uh, and I definitely think we need a bridge builder versus a wall builder. Um, meaning that civic engagement, that being out in the community is really important for a superintendent to um, already be doing. Um, and I think that is gonna be key in the, in the process when the board of directors, when the school board is looking for the next superintendent and looking at their experience of being a, a bridge builder uh, versus a wall builder and their community engagement um, in the community that they're leaving and examining you know, why they want to come to Beloit and why this is an attractive community uh, for them. Um, it's definitely going to be important to have uh, community support as far as what the next superintendent, um, who, who, who that next person is, and I think it's going to be important to involve our community. Um, but lead, leadership, innovation, and experience are going to be key. Well, you'll, you'll start on this one, on this here. Oh, I'm sorry. Feedback. No worries. I call it Sorry. <laughs> uh, I think this is the most important decision facing the new board. Um, so we need to take all of what, all the candidates have said um, here into consideration. I believe the superintendent needs to be practical, passionate, and visionary. Uh, they need to have experience working with districts like ours. Um, they need to have practical experience working with teachers and um, amidst our current board uh, culture. Uh, we need somebody who can jump in right away and be ready to leave. Um, so we need somebody who's practical. I also believe we need somebody who's passionate. Uh, they need to be a leader of our community. Uh, our schools are the foundation of our community. And so the superintendent has a huge role in everyday lives, in our homes, what people talk about around the dinner table or what comes up with your kids' conversations, um, whether or not <laughs> every student knows the name of the superintendent or not, they have a huge impact on their day-to-day -day lives. They have a huge impact on the classroom. And so we need somebody who's positive um, and can reach the wide and diverse um, community that we have. And also we need somebody who's visionary, uh, especially with uh, Boyd 2020, the um, new Welcome Center. We need somebody who is invested in the long term, um, as far, especially as far as teacher retention goes. Uh, we need to think about how to keep teachers here, and that's not just taking away money and giving it to teacher salaries. Um, we need to think about how to invest in our teachers, to, to make sure that we recruit quality teachers, and then we can sustain them um, through uh, all of our decisions. Thanks. I'll try this again. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies. Order, if you can lead off number three. The district has seen significant numbers of staff and students leave the last two years. This seems to coincide with the sort of justice practice the district has implemented. Please address how you will reverse the trend of losing quality staff and students. 
I think in, in order to address the, the staffing issues and how people are, you know, kind of bailing on the district and the first chance they get, um, it, it, it definitely needs to start with, with some of the communication that's already occurred from the, the teachers that are still there um, and, and the way that they've kind of voiced their displeasure here over the past year. I think that that, that voice has definitely been, been spoken, but I don't necessarily know if it's been heard. Uh, so looking at what the, the teachers need to be effective in their classrooms uh, to avoid the disturbances, whether that's adjustments to the restorative justice program or looking uh, at just different avenues of how we can establish a, a code of conduct that's enforceable uh, that gets the results that we need done. Uh, I think about my daughter in a classroom and if she was a disruption in the classroom and was causing conduct issues and, and causing another 30 kids not to be able to learn, we would have big problems at home. Um, so I think uh, kind of, once again, communicating those issues to, to home. Uh, you know, the students that are, are creating the, the issues, um, when you look at the student population, there's not a huge number of them that I think would be problem causers. Most of the students in the school district of Floyd are great kids. They show up every day and they get the job done and they're, they're great students for their teachers. But we need to do whatever we, you know, whatever needs to occur to handle the, the small number of students that are creating those kind of disturbances and not allowing the greater population to learn. Uh, we've got to make adjustments to that. And I think talking and communicating with the teachers and giving them the tools that they need to manage their rooms effectively is the first step. what I have heard from um, teachers, they basically want to feel appreciated and they want the support and the, um, the backup of what their decision is when it comes to disciplining children. They don't feel that they have the support and so they don't try as hard or they just kind of give up. I have a child that's in the high school and in mainstream classes, there's a one that he's in and that you know, there's a couple kids that are disruptive. They get 20 minutes out of the classroom. That seems to be like the magic number, 20 minutes out of the classroom. So in that 20 minutes, the teacher has time to teach 30 kids, but then they send the child back and then there's more disruption. We need to find a way to have a better plan in place when we send the child out because obviously there's an issue. So they need to go maybe talk to somebody. 20 minutes is not enough time for an upset child to, to calm down. And I mean, any parent knows that. I mean, most teachers know that. There needs to be an um, alternative for these children. And also there needs to be effective communication with the teachers and the families. A lot of times um, the kids don't have a lot of support at home. So they come to school and then they don't have support at school. And so they tend to do things to um, get attention. So we need to figure out where um, the problem is and maybe help solve it or contribute to the solution. But at this point, we just need to really have better um, communication with the teachers and the families and also the support from the administration so the teachers can do their job effectively. Can you repeat the question, please? The district has seen significant numbers of staff and students leave the last two years. This seems to coincide with the restorative justice practice the district has implemented. Please address how you will reverse the trend of losing quality staff and students. Um, so it sounds like a two-part question. Um, 
<clears throat> and so I know that the district is currently following up with uh, the students and families that they currently lost um, just to understand the why uh, those students are have, have uh, petitioned to leave the district. And so I think that's gonna be an important process in following up uh, with those students and parents and families to understand uh, why they're leaving and if there's something that the district can do uh, better to serve them or and other parents and families. Uh, definitely think uh, restorative justice is an alternative to discipline and it's, it's not the silver bullet or the solution. Uh, so I think uh, in comparison to uh, restorative practices being contradictory to you know, the number of you know, losing students, uh, I think it should be part of the equation, but not the, uh, the barometer. Uh, restorative practices is, a, is more or less an initiative that um, has to be bought into uh, with full fidelity from the adults in the process to give the students uh, a voice as far as what they can do to make things better. Um, and if students don't have those tools uh, before they uh, are presented, and given an opportunity to do that, then uh, we'll continue to have the same behaviors. Um, but until we evolve as a district, whether it be our code of conduct involving restorative practices in the cocktail, uh, we, we, we cannot have the same expectations uh, of students to get better if we have the same expectations from a code of conduct standpoint. This trend is concerning, but um, not too out of place as far as the makeup of our district uh, and how it compares to other districts as far as economic status. Um, too often our schools have to act as homes and a place of education. Too often our teachers have to play nurse and caregiver and counselor and um, you know provide food and be role models and be multitaskers. And that takes away from their ability to teach. Um, and that's what's happening in um, high poverty districts. Uh, and I think that the role of the board needs to, to be one role. It needs to be cutting back on um, the paperwork heavy and the unnecessary things that we ask teachers to do that takes away from just curriculum and instruction. Um, and so I think as far as the trend goes, I think that's how I think I want to um, provide some reverse of that trend. Uh, I think that the restorative justice piece is a great way to meet students where they are as they come through our doors of schools. Um, and uh, as far as um, being better able to, to manage and discipline and support students who may not have the structure that they have at home. Um, so I think that is a very important piece, but I think those pieces, the disciplinary pieces, um, as far as PBIS or sort of justice, need to be done in, as um, full of adoptions. Like everyone needs to be bought in and it really creates a culture in the school. And so if that culture isn't there, then those systems can flounder. Right. Um, the teacher turnover as it relates to 
restorative justice. Um, restorative justice is great for meeting many different students at where they are and, and what they come with from home to our schools. Um, because any educator knows you have to meet certain basic needs before they can learn anything in the classroom. Now, there are students who are gonna need more than that, just like there are, there are students who need more in math or need more in reading. It's not going to help everyone. Um, it's something that you definitely have to try and then what to do after that doesn't work. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration around this sort of justice comes from. You know, we really, I know some schools are, are making connections with mental health services in the community and we need to expand those because that's a, so many families need help connecting themselves. Um, you know, and, and not every child, when a, not every child um, wants to, or the best place for them is in a regular classroom. You know, if I think about the job field, so many people get to work from home. Um, there are many different styles that you have, so we can help prepare students for those careers by maybe doing part of their day virtually online or um, doing a mix of blends and finding a more successful environment for them. But as far as teacher leave, teachers leaving, um, we have to do a better job supporting our teachers. We have a lot of great programs that we're doing in the district. So kind of having a running PD for first year teachers, but there's also time. We ask our teachers to do a lot, but they don't have a lot of time to do it. Um, our class sizes are super high. We have two teachers, so 36 students. Managing their best needs and managing their data is overwhelming. Also, we really have to look at what we can do to bring more subs into the district because nothing ruins your day more than find out you don't have art that day. Um, but also then you're pulling in that double classroom where you have two teachers with 36 students, you're pulling one of them out to cover another classroom by yourself. Kathy, we'll start with you this time. With the current school board recently increasing the tax levy after a $75 million referendum, how do you plan on being fiscally responsible and accountable to the taxpayer? definitely have to be better with the money. I went to that school board meeting and they, there was a lot of people that showed up and you know, I was kind of ignorant to a lot of the tax, um, like how the property tax and stuff works because I'm a renter. So I learned a lot that day. And I, I understand that we, we have these great ideas, but at the cost of the people who live here. So we have to, we have to be better about what decisions we make with the money and that it's not going to put a burden on the people who actually are invested in our community. So I think that we just have to do more research and make sure that what decisions that we make is going to be something that is for the long haul and not just right now. We have these beautiful buildings, but we don't have enough teachers to put them in. So there's, you know, we have to decide what's the most important where it, when we, um, sorry, um, we need to decide what's most important um, when we decide to allocate the money and where it goes. Um, I think that uh, it's an obligation of any school board to be uh, fiscally responsible. Um, I think it's a matter of trust. I, mean, I think it's a matter of serving in the best interest of those you represent and serve. And uh, as a provider and a homeowner, uh, you uh, share and represent many different perspectives. 
And as a school board member, I think that when you are in the room where those decisions are made um, and your bottom line is affected being your budget at home, uh, you look at your budget, but you also want to take into consideration other people's budget, uh, the other people that you know uh, that may not be from the same circumstances as you are. Not that you got to know, you know, all the, their business, but you have to know that those people are here in the community and that they need to have a voice and advocate in the room for them as well. Um, so when we're making these uh, decisions, uh, yes, it's about being fiscally responsible and, you know, being aware that it may affect your bottom line and it may affect your household, but it's also uh, a bigger picture kind of thing when you're making those um, choices and decisions in the room when there are people in the room that they don't have a voice, they don't, they don't have an advocate, but these decisions will affect them. So um, speaking from those perspectives, whatever they may look like or sound like, uh, it's gonna be important um, for the current board of directors and the two uh, incoming board, board members. Can you repeat the question? With the current school board recently increasing tax over the after $75 million referendum, how do you plan on being fiscally responsible and accountable to the taxpayer? Uh, <clears throat> if I became a board member, I would always make it a point to be well-read and prepared and researched on what decisions the board is facing. Uh, I think the board needs to be transparent. I think the public deserves that. Uh, I think, as other people have said, the board acts as an intermediary between um, the district, the administration, and the public. Uh, so it is important that we are transparent and that we are reaching out to our community and hearing from them um, and hearing what they think we need, um, what, what they think we should be investing in. And uh, I think the long-term investment piece is key. We don't always need just the quick band-aid fixes. Um, and I think that can be irresponsible if we do that. Uh, so really looking for the long-term uh, investment in our community and our schools. And with uh, our budget, we need to make sure that we're prioritizing properly. Uh, making sure that everything can run smoothly, making sure we have all facilities taken care of, and then making sure that um, we're taking care of our teachers, um, whether that be through supplies, whether that be through salary, whether that be through benefits, whether that be, um, you know, there's a lot of ways that we can invest money that supports teachers. Um, and so it's figuring out what the best uh, combination is, what the best formula is to both recruit and uh, retain teachers. As a member of the school board, being fiscally responsible is so very important. I would be very transparent. Um, I have, I do have a campaign Facebook page, and then if elected, I would change that to, you know, Kyle Larson, school board member. So that's a way for the community to contact me, but then also I can share out topics coming up and ask for community input. When being on the school board and you're talking about spending money and increasing property taxes. Um, for some people, it's giving up their Starbucks every day, but for other people, it's utility bills or clothing or food. And so really being aware of not everybody 
is in the, in the same financial situation as you are. And just because it may affect you one way, it's going to affect another family in a totally different way. But and also prioritizing the, the spending and um, operating within our means. It's something that's very hard to do with the decreasing budgets. And I mean, every district is facing these things, but putting the focus on our classroom because um, having classrooms that are well supported is going to draw more people to our community and to our schools. And with them, unfortunately, every student has a price tag that comes with them. So if we can keep our families from leaving and then also draw in more families, then that's going to help our budget. So really just being very transparent and asking for community input and asking how that would affect their lives and what they think about um, things happening in the district. <clears throat> Not that I've been alive all that long, but I have seen two referendums through the school district of Beloit uh, in my lifespan. Uh, one was the new high school right before I started attending there. It was much needed. And another was the, the new school realignment that just occurred. Um, being a lawyer and being fully vested in looking from a long-term vision, I question whether either one of those referendums was large enough. Um, that's kind of why I almost feel like here we find ourselves already looking at the, uh, uh, an increase here again for another building. Do I think that the Welcome Center is, is a necessary addition to the, the school district facilities? Absolutely. Uh, the current facility is inefficient uh, for the number of people that work there. Uh, it doesn't do a good job really showcasing what uh, the school district of Beloit's about. And it's honestly not a very healthy place to work. Uh, some of those workers have issues with uh, the building of its age. And when you look at being fiscally responsible, having a long-term vision to make sure that uh, we're putting our dollars into efficient buildings uh, that are gonna, as, as any homeowner, as anyone who covers their own utility bills knows, um, if, if you're just throwing money out the door because you're in an inefficient space, you're never gonna make it up. Uh, so over the course of time, utility bills aren't gonna come back down. Energy costs typically only increase uh, over the course of time. And with that being said, continually having an old building that we're only really using, utilizing a third of doesn't make much financial sense. Uh, so it might be a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow, but when you look at the, just speaking from an average homeowner perspective, how their tax bill is impacted, it is a little bit, but when you factor it out for monthly, it's kind of a, a really small number, a couple bucks a month. Um, it, it, I think that uh, it was a good thing and a good move to make, but continuously, you know, making sure that we're at the, making the best decisions with the money is always important. Maybe this one, oh, yeah, you can leave off there. You can, you can up there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, the last one, our question. What do you identify as the number one area for opportunity improvement in the district? And what do you specifically bring to the table in the area of expertise that will help address that issue? You repeated it? Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of that was good. That was a good question. I like reading. What do you identify as the number one area for opportunity improvement in the district? What do you specifically bring to the table in the area of expertise that will help address that issue? Um, so <clears throat> since we all have uh, alluded to the fact that students will keep exhibiting behaviors in schools 
Uh, can I get an amen? Okay. Right. Uh, so students will keep on behaving in schools and we as a district have to be responsive uh, to those behaviors. Um, I do think that restorative practices is something that um, the district can do to help uh, solve that problem. Uh, again, it's not going to be the uh, silver bullet, but it will be part of the cocktail that teachers and administrators and all faculty and staff can use as a tool along with their wonderful personalities and their fantastic education. Uh, I think it could be something that can help. Uh, I was part of the team of, as a community member when I worked for the Boys and Girls Club in 2014 uh, to visit uh, Madison LaFollette um, and they uh, revised their code of conduct, uh, involved students, parents, and families, uh, and um, included their student services team in that process of revising their code of conduct to be more responsive uh, to the uh, behaviors that they were seeing. Um, again, they still had suspensions and expulsions, uh, but including restorative practices in the process will give students tools that they can use beyond uh, being disciplined um, against students and parents and families a voice, and it allows um, our district professionals to meet parents and students where they're at and um, be more of a uh, engaged community member regardless of where they live at because uh, it builds relationships and from my uh, professional experience I think that's where um, education starts at building relationships and restorative practices uh, being part of the code of conduct will help that. One main area of opportunity that I see in our district is making sure that our students are prepared post-graduation. Uh, right now about 50% just under are unsure of what they're doing, where they're going, where they're working, if they're training in a job, if they're serving, if they're going to um, enlist, or if they're seeking a two-year or four-year institution. Uh, that's especially near and dear to me, because uh, I work in a pre-college program. I know that more students are college prepared and more students can go for a lower cost than they think. Um, I think the AVID program is a great start. It's, um, with its first year at Boyd Memorial. Um, I think we can do more about educating students about their options post-grad. Uh, the main function of, as I see it, of schools is to uh, make sure students uh, can read critically and think critically to be active members of their community. Uh, and right now that number, to me, that 50% is, I'm unsure if we are really fulfilling that and meeting that expectation of what schools should do. Um, so I think as, as far as that, I think it, it needs to start earlier, uh, educating about what students want to do with their lives, it needs to go a step farther. Um, and it, it needs to get down to the, the practicalities of it and budgeting what they can accomplish post-graduation, whether it be a two-year or four-year institution. Um, it can happen for more of our students and it can happen um, with, as far as more schooling, at a lower cost than what a lot of students think. I know that firsthand. I think the greatest challenge facing our district right now is teacher retention, and that's a hard one because so many of the other challenges are lumped up into that one. Um, you know, discipline, if, if we 
get a handle and good processes in place and a plan to handle discipline, teachers will be able, will, will stay lowering the class sizes. Again, um, that will also help discipline because you'll have um, more options to kind of split stronger behaviors apart, you know, um, send them to different classrooms. Um, also, I would like to um, look at putting an assistant principal in the elementary schools to again help with discipline. But teacher retention is so important because um, we are going to have a pool of teachers applying for jobs in Beloit who haven't had to spend any time in the classroom working with students. I actually saw a Cyber Monday coupon for Wisconsin Lacing Certificate, so you could get for $17.50 versus $2,000. So we want to make sure we keep the most qualified teachers in the classrooms with our students and, um, and make sure that we're doing our best job to take care of them. Now, the way I can help with that is because I was a teacher in our district and I chose to leave. And I, anyone can talk to me and I will tell you honestly why I left the issues that I see in our district. Um, and I have, I, I spent even time talking to human resources about it. Um, but if we really go after that and take care of the smaller problems wrapped up into that, then um, we're going to have keep people coming to our district because we still have great teachers in our classrooms, but we want to keep them and we can't afford to lose another great teacher to another district. They have a repeat on question. What do you identify as the number one area for opportunity slash improvement in the district? What do you specifically bring to the table and area of expertise that will help you address that issue? It's a, a unique and, and big opportunity that that uh, the school district has kind of begun to initiate but hasn't fully uh, implemented yet is, is public and private partnerships with, with some of the great employers that we have in the area. Uh, if you look at, uh, you know, we're, we're in a, a high poverty district, um, you know, for a variety of reasons, but at the same token, uh, we have a large number of, of big heavy hitter employers here that, that offer jobs that are $50,000, $60,000 plus white collar jobs. So I, I don't quite understand how we have a, a white collar employment community and yet a, a poverty level school district. Uh, there's a, a huge disconnect there. If we can start to you know, really coach up the, the students and the families to realize the, the opportunities that are here without even leaving the zip code, without leaving the district, without leaving the city of Beloit. Um, then you'll start to see the, the population in Beloit maybe start to increase, which hasn't happened in 50, 60 years. Uh, they're the best and the brightest out of uh, school district of Beloit graduates typically don't stay around. And that's a huge problem. Uh, the school district of Beloit has generated some fantastic, uh, you know, minds, very bright individuals who've gone on to do fantastic things. I think the more that we can kind of showcase the, the things that are here, uh, especially to some of those students who might not see what's on the other side, who might not know what their, their end goal after their education is going to be and really start to introduce them to what's possible in Beloit. Um, I think the way that I can help bridge that gap is by being you know, a business owner and plugged into some of the, the business side of the community uh, being a member of the Downtown Business Association, being a member of the Chamber, 
it, it helps train to kind of tie all that together and connect it. And I think if we can really solidify that connection, there's great things in the future. For me, I don't have an educational background. My biggest concern, and it will be my concern until it's rectified, as I know that there's um, there's a lot of times that there's turnover rate no matter what job you work in, but the biggest thing is teacher retention and teacher support. I think that if we can show our teacher support, make them feel like they're appreciated, make their feel, make them feel like they're you know making a difference, we will keep them. As a board member, I think we need to be available. I think we need to go into the schools, we need to talk to the teachers, hear their concerns, and then have an educated um, opinion when we go back and talk to the people on the board. I don't think that a lot of the teachers feel like the people on the board right now are accessible. I, as a parent, am in the schools all the time. If I'm going to on a field trip, if I'm going on um, just, I was on PTO, I coach a lot of sports, so I talk to people everywhere. Uh, we talk about school board stuff now, obviously, because they know, you know, so we talk a lot about that. So with being just an everyday person, uh, uh, parents, um, I think that, you know, I can relate to the teachers a lot more because I'm just, I, there's no, there's no, um, like, I'm really nervous, I apologize. <laughs> um, there's no, uh, like, high, you know, like, I'm not higher than them. I kind of want to be on the same accord. I think if we all are on the same, same um, court on the same like playing field that teachers and staff will be more apt to tell you issues and then we can solve them you know we're more educated when we solve or when we deal with the issues Previous school board members to prepare you for your role as a school board member. We'll start in the middle of this time, in the middle of all of these. And Otis, you can start. Yes, I had uh, many conversations with uh, uh, you know quite a few different uh, past and current school board members uh, to kind of get a sense and a feeling on where the 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 successes of the district have been in the past, uh, where the the challenge are challenges in the district are currently and uh, and where we can move this thing forward. So yeah, I had quite a few conversations with a number of people. I actually know of quite a few of the um, board members that serve and are serving now. I did talk to one at a basketball game. Happened she was behind me, we just started talking. So she definitely gave me a lot of insight on how the board runs. Um, it's not everything that you know, everybody goes into it and like, oh, I'm gonna do this and this, and you really have to understand that when you when you get on the board, it's a it's a team effort. So I think that helped me know that, like, even though I have all these great ideas, you have to make sure that everybody's on board. So that definitely has prepared me to be more open to what everybody else has to say. Also, um, I did reach out to several of 
the current board members and some past board members as well. And uh, I think all of the insight was helpful. You know, when getting into something or thinking about getting into something that you have no uh, frame of reference to doing, I think it's always helpful to talk to people that have been in the room and that have served before. Um, everybody has insight that was valuable to me. Um, and, you know, moving forward in the process, again, I think uh, outside of being a school board member, each of those individuals um, value uh, goes beyond just them being a school board member, President Pass, and I think that uh, for me is more important, but I definitely have had the opportunity to reach out to several past and present board members. Uh, yes, I've definitely talked to several current and uh, former board members. I think uh, for me, the, the biggest help that uh, they gave me was just their confidence and um, uh, some of them, especially their enthusiasm at uh, my run. I think being a young person, uh, that was especially helpful and gave me a confidence boost hearing from them, uh, people who have done it before, people who have been great advocates um, and great supporters of our community. So uh, yeah, I, I, they definitely gave me some insight on some of like, the more technical things, things that I should be prepared to do. Um, prepared to do my campaign, but I think just uh, the human to human, uh, you know, support was uh, the biggest help talking to, to those board members. Um, I also have spoken to current and past board members. Um, even before I decided to run, I wanted to make absolutely sure that I was able to give um, the role as much time and dedication as it needed. Um, having a family and working, I just wanted to make sure that, was, that I had the time to do it and not only just do it, but to do it well. And then um, I've also been able to ask some questions I have about how the board works and um, and they've been very helpful in how to <coughs> kind of get started with their campaign and how the whole process will work. Is that it? We're going to give each candidate uh, two minutes to give summarize why they want to be on the school board and what they bring to the table. Um, we'll start on the opposite end this time with David. You did to lead us off. So you should vote for me uh, because, uh, like some of my, my candidate, uh, colleagues here, we're born and raised in Beloit, and I think that's where it starts at. Um, Obviously, we can all say Beloit is unique, um, but speaking from that perspective uh, is tough because uh, we all wear different hats. And I think that uh, through my professional and civic uh, engagement and my background, uh, I have exemplified um, the uh, willingness first to do that and obviously the skills to do that. And I think uh, with uh, my investment in our community, our school district and the people that are here in this room, but not just the people that are here in this room, uh, the people that are not here in this room, um, I think is important and keeping those perspectives in mind and, and letting those people know that they have a voice uh, through my, my representation as a school board member, regardless if we agree or disagree, uh, 
like a, a police officer not using all of their uh, criminal informants useful information, uh, I, I think that's gonna be part of the process as a school board member, uh, it's gonna be integral to be a filter and, and know when to use information and know uh, when not to inf use information and know when uh, it's a board issue, it's a board problem and know when to trust the administrators and professionals that you hire to do a job um, for your community school district. Um, I've had a wide variety of uh, experience with boards and, and committees that uh, serve our community at large. Uh, the difference between this and those is I chose to be a part of those things because I believe in them. I, I believe in our community school district, so I implore you to vote for Wilson for school board. I just want to reiterate and explain a few more things about me. Uh, my, both my parents were longtime educators, one teaching in the school district in Beloit, the other teaching in South Beloit for many, many years. Uh, and I grew up knowing the world of education. And um, I, <laughs> growing up all through high school, I never wanted to go into education. And then in college, uh, I started to see it as probably the largest social justice issue facing our country. And for me, the opportunity to affect change at the local level um, is huge. And I'm grateful that I have this opportunity to serve Beloit. Um, and I wanna make it clear that I, I have no connections, I have no kids, no uh, spouses, no, uh, no family members working in the district of Beloit. Um, and I think for me, that's, um, have all the, all the better for me. I think that's a, a pro um, because my investment and my focus really is on all students um, and all um, all teachers and all uh, workers within our district. Uh, I think for me especially, um, the issue of equity in our district is huge. Um, I work with students every day who um, I see as um, not getting the best services available um, because they're low income and become and because primarily they're students of color. And um, for me, you know that I get to to work with that in my job, but I also see that's a larger problem for the district. And um, we need to make sure that we're serving all students. Um, and our scheduling at the high school is serving all students. Um, we need to make sure that we're in. We are giving every student, no matter income level or of color, um, we're not changing or uh, their schedules um, based on, on that. Although I didn't grow up in Boy, I moved here just as my oldest daughter was starting 4K, and um, I spent time in the classrooms. And I was already thinking about going back to school to become a teacher. And it was working in her classrooms and working with her teachers that really convinced me to do it. And uh, to be an educator, it really is a calling. Um, and I'm passionate about the education of our students. Even though I left our district, I still have enough faith and belief in our community and our school district that my student, my children still go to school here. I didn't take them with me. I'm I am totally invested in our schools. Um, I understand the challenges that we face as an educator, and 
that's an insight that I can bring to our school board, uh, as well as bring to the community. Um, you know, the school district has um, a web page you know, where you can go look up the agenda and everything, but for some families that's hard to do, so really trying to bring the issues that we're talking about to the community members and asking for their input, being present in the schools. Um, I'll work very hard for our, not just our teachers, but our administrators, our students, and our community. I take the role of being a school board member very, very seriously because um, it's a unique role where not only do you serve the community who elects you, but you also serve the people who work for the school district. You have to serve the administrators and the principals and the teachers as well as the students. When I think about the challenges that the district faces and what needs to be accomplished and what I might be able to help it help it do, I, I think the the, the key components here are really cleaning up the, the classroom conduct, making sure that our teachers, teachers are supported, mentored, recruited well, and re-recruited well so that they can stay here and become fixtures of the community. Um, I think bringing in a, a very effective leader and uh, putting together a, you know just a fantastic administrative team to make sure that the, all the stakeholders and throughout the community, students, parents, teachers, uh, administrators uh, are, all feel like they've got what they need to do the job that they need to do. Uh, I think uh, also being a, a good steward of tax dollars well into the future is important as well. Uh, that might mean more in large-scale investment into the future. It might, might mean curtailing that somewhat. Um, but being effective with the budget is, is always going to be important. Um, I look at what I bring to the table and how long of a history my family has had here, specifically with the school district of Beloit. Um, five generations is nothing to sneeze at. We, my whole family bleeds purple. Um, it, it's, it's a pride factor about people knowing where you're from and, and also seeing a vision on where you're from and what it can be. Um, I think that we have unique opportunities here with the diversity that Beloit has, uh, with the, the foundation that the school district of Beloit has helped give the community, that if we can circle that back around and once again get kind of cohesive and all start pushing in the same direction, uh, the, the upside here is immense and I really look forward to trying to be a part of that. So when it comes to February 20th and April 3rd, vote Otis. I think that my approach is a little different because I'm coming as a parent. I'm coming as somebody who actually has children and is vested and I really care about what happens to them because their future is based on how the district is ran. When I was growing up, I'm a little older than them, but um, we had a great district and you know we had great educators and we still do. Don't you know, don't take that away, but we need to have more of a voice as as parents because I know that we have a lot of issues with parents not being involved but I think it's because they're not confident enough to be involved so they feel like maybe I know there's you know some parents that don't feel like they're educated enough to understand what teachers saying to them and things like that so I think just me as a person as a real life everyday person I work a nine-to-five I you know I don't have a degree I have um, you know there's a lot of things that I, I represent um, a big part of the Beloit School District's 
parental base. I do talk to a lot of parents. We all have a lot of safe concerns, but a lot of people aren't as confident enough to put themselves out there. So for me, it's me putting myself out there, representing the people who might not have the confidence to you know, express their opinion or um, be a face for the normal person. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Um, I'd say vote for me, but that's basically what we're talking about anyway. So um, basically I'm just gonna be the real life, blunt, honest person that most of us need right now on the district, on the board, because everybody suits everything under the rug and thinks it's gonna go away and it's not. So we need to address the, the problems head on so we can fix it so our district can grow. That's also the question that I'd like to, first of all, thank the chamber for bringing that on. We'll do the audience for coming. Most of all, um, as an ex-school board president, each of you for making a commitment to run, to represent this community. It's not an easy position, but it's one that if you do win the election, it be rewarding for you, to you for the rest of your life. So thank you very much. Um, do you want to announce, this would be on the radio and on the televised, so. Yeah, just two more quick things. So um, thank you to WCLO. They've really been instrumental in helping us set up this event. They provided all the audio equipment. Um, they will be re-airing this forum next Monday morning, I believe around 9 a.m. Um, and that's on the 19th, so the day before the election. But then in addition to that, they will be sharing the um, link to this forum, the audio link with us, which, which we will then put on our website and in our newsletter. And then um, I believe the school district of Polite will also be putting that on their website. So once that link goes around, we encourage you all to share that within your own channels so that way we can reach as many voters as possible before the election. Um, and I just want to give the candidates a hand on that. I would encourage each of you in the audience if you get a chance, thank each one of these people for running. It's, it's a tough thing to run and put yourself out there. So thank you before you leave. And then we do have um, a voter 